What's up, everyone? How you doing? Welcome to the show. I am Ben Kissel, hanging out with... Oh, Katie Dirks. That's me. That's you, sorry. Katie. I'm so Kate, sorry. We haven't done this Hi. in three weeks. Have you forgotten your name? I'm, I got to knock off the rust. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good to be back with you, Katie. I miss speaking with you so much when we were in Europe. I missed your big red face. I know. It's massive and it is red. And everything <laughs> is going good with you. The show, Jim Jeffries show is going good and everything. We're back. Jim Jeffries is back on the air. Uh, we crushed a Tuesday night, so that's good. Uh, let's. We're going to try to do it again next week, and in the meantime, I'm here with you, Hell celebrating yeah. wrestling. Awesome, and it's not just Katie and I today. Today we have the honor of being with the dude. He is a badass motherfucker, I will say that. I absorbed his body with my eyes for about three hours last night, and dare <laughs> I say I'm forever changed. We are with Brody King. Thank you so much for being on the show, Brody. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. I've also missed your big red face. Yeah, thank you so much, dude. And Brody, <laughs> you can watch him on Ring of Honor. Also, if you just want to like do a little YouTube, and you can find a great match with him against Masada at Wrestle Circus. <laughs> so honestly, that match was like totally badass. So I guess, Katie, what do you want to start off talking about with Brody? Because he's sort of like a rising star, kind of the king of the underground. And I have a few questions because uh, during this match with Masada, the announcer gave you one of the highest praises that any human being can be given. He compared you to Bruiser Brody, which I thought was like unreal. But Katie, where do you want to start with Brody? Well, he's hot off. He's hot off a big weekend here in Los Angeles is the Battle of Los Angeles, uh, which if you're not familiar, uh, it's what I called and what I feel like in you can correct me if I'm wrong, is essentially the WrestleMania of the independent scene. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, he crushed it. I did good. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, talk to me just a little bit about your, because uh, the first night, night one, it was you and... Was Cave, it? Caveman Ugg. Yes. Yeah. It was amazing. He's an Australian caveman, and his name is Ugg. <laughs> it was, <laughs> he's, a, he's a big guy. He's probably about six foot, 250-ish pounds. Yeah. He has a gigantic beard, long hair, uh, real wild man. Nice. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Our our styles meshed very well together. Mm -hmm. uh, by style, I mean we just beat the shit out of each other for right. about twelve minutes, and uh, yeah, it was great. And when you say six feet tall, you're like he's a big dude, but you're six foot five, right? Yeah. So you are you're you're still towering over this guy. I mean, do you like wrestling people who are about of the same height as you or the same weight as you? Does that make it easier? Or how does that change the match when you all are sort of like comparative when it comes to weight and size? It definitely makes it a little bit harder because, you know, just being able to do a lot of the things that I do with someone my size is significantly harder than a smaller guy. Or I think my, my preferred zone is probably like around six foot. Yeah. Because I've wrestled uh, Lance Archer. He works for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he's yep. about 6'6", like 6'7". Six, 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 and just some like some of the movements are just like so much more different. Like he'll, his feet are like touching the ground where like someone else would be like completely in my arms or something. It's, it's weird. So if you had like a wrestling opponent Tinder profile, you would say like looking for <laughs> someone six foot and under roughly yeah. 225 to 200. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Um, can you just talk about the atmosphere at Bola or any PWG show for people that haven't been there? What's it like for you as a performer? It's, you know, I, I feel like when you start wrestling, it's what almost every independent wrestler strives to be at. Mm -hmm. uh, PWG is, you know, 
the top of the mountain as far as independent promotions go. Right. And that's really where, you know, most of the big names now have made their start. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, being four years in and being able to th be, this be my second bowl was, you know, a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And right. also th just like this also being my second bowl and me being in PWG for about a year and a half now, uh, I felt a lot more relaxed going into this one. You know, PWG still is like one of the only places anymore that makes me feel kind of nervous. Like you get those like butterflies in your stomach because I feel like there's so much uh, pressure for people to, you know, they're, they want to see the best product possible. And, right. and so, you know, whereas if you have an off night somewhere else, you can kind of just brush it off. But if you have an off night at PWG, let alone at BOLA, then it's like, uh, fuck the, I fucked the whole year up. Yeah, pack it in. Yeah. It's like being drafted, essentially. It's, yeah, your, exactly. it's your combine. And, of course, PWG stands for Pro, Gre uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Check out that company. It really is the height of the indies. The more that I'm learning about it, uh, it seems to be the stepping stone for a lot of superstars that go on to New Japan, perhaps AEW, even WWE. Uh, when it comes to your life, it's interesting because I was doing a little bit of research. So you're a straight-edge uh, person. You don't drink. You don't do any drugs. You chose to go down that road uh, because you got into uh, heavy metal music. You're also the lead singer of a band called God's Hate, so check out that band. I know that's a massive passion for you, Brody. When it comes to wrestling, you're going through a lot of pain. I know you broke your leg while practicing, and I'm fairly certain that was the worst. That was the worst injury you've had so far, right? No, not at all. Not at oh. all. Okay, great. No. Because that oh. was the interview that I watched. You're like that was the worst so far, but that was about a year ago. So I'm happy to hear. I'm, I'm not happy to hear you've been injured more. But maybe you could talk a little bit about how do you avoid, uh, you know, sort of the, the pitfalls of professional wrestling. Obviously, you know, your career is still uh, it's still blooming. Um, but how do you avoid that sort of pressure to perhaps, you know, take a little bit of a, you know, of an Oxycontin or something like that when going through the injuries? And perhaps you can talk about some of the physical pain you've been through in the ring. Yeah, I guess it's just never been in my mind to, for that to be like a, I don't, I don't want to call it a crutch, but even an option. Like, I've just dealt with the pain. I mean, I don't want to sound like a major tough guy, but it's just like, I just kind of take, you know, a couple Advil and just keep moving. Last December, right before Christmas, uh, I had a match with Jake Atlas, and I took a super kick to the face and broke my jaw. Oh, great. Uh, so it it, <laughs> it shattered one of my molars and broke my jaw in half. And oh. I had to have my jaw wired shut for about a month. And the doctor said, you absolutely cannot wrestle for six months. Oh, my God. And the next weekend, I had a cage match with Sammy Callahan and a no-ring match with Darby Allen. No. Oh, my with, God. No, you're grounded. With my jaw wired shut. <laughs> okay, yeah. now how the hell did you pull that off? Because uh, uh, Katie and I have talked about Darby Allen before, and Sammy Callahan, I actually YouTubed him as well, and then I bought one of his T-shirts because I'm trying to up my, uh, my wrestling T-shirt game. Both of those dudes are badass. Yeah, oh, Both yeah. Both of those dudes are extremely physical. <laughs> how didn't you uh, re-break your jaw? And also, how the hell did you breathe? Well, breathing was definitely hard. Oh, my and God. And the thing that I didn't take into consideration was I was like, okay, well, I can breathe sort of. So I've broken my nose like six times, so I can barely breathe out of my nose. Cool. So no, I was literally just great. Yeah, teeth, cool. clen <laughs> teeth clenched like 
sucking air through my mouth. But when you're when you're selling in the ring, all of my hair is also in front of my face. Right. So when I try to take a deep breath, all of the hair also went in my mouth. Ugh. So then I'm like gagging on my hair and like can't breathe. And it's just like, it was awful. <laughs> but I mean, it makes for a good story, you know? I mean, yeah. here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Um, how did you, what's your origin story into wrestling? Because you're in four years, which is still fairly new in the grand scheme of things. Yes. Talk to me. Where? What's your origin story? How did you get to this point? So I fell into a vat of radioactive waste. Oh. And then, yeah. Oh. Oh, well, uh, here we go. No, um, <laughs> I've been a lifelong wrestling fan since I was a kid. Uh, kind of fell out of it, you know, mm-hmm. as a teenager when it became, quote unquote, not cool anymore. Yeah, sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I started watching it a little bit in my 20s, like when CM Punk was doing, like, the the Straight Edge Society movement. And it was like, oh, there's this Straight Edge wrestler on TV. And it's, that's such, like, a subculture that, like, wasn't, you know, widely popular at the time and i'm like right. oh well, i'm obviously going to check this out right and then um one of my friends met a local wrestler and he was like oh you know if you ever want to get in the ring and like try some stuff out let me know so i saw some pictures of him you know doing rolls and hitting the ropes and i was like what are you doing and how do i do this <laughs> so we went to a, a local show at santino brothers wrestling academy which is my school that i graduated from and the next day I signed up for the beginner's course. And here we are. Yeah, and here we are now. So for someone who wants to get into wrestling, I know that they don't just throw you in the ring. You're not immediately just like, here's a title match. Uh, you have <laughs> to work your way up, and you basically have to be, for all intents and purposes, a janitor. You have to be the dude who constructs the ring. Can yep. you just give a little bit of insight to the people who want to get into wrestling? It's not going to happen overnight. And it's gonna be a colossal pain in the ass. And for all intents and purposes, you're gonna be the you're gonna be the promotions bitch for a little while. So, what was that process like for you? Did you ever feel how long did you have to go through that process? And I know that process kind of never ends. It's almost like right now you're like the king of middle school, and you're about to go into high school, and you're a freshman again. And then after high school, you go into college, and then you're a freshman again. And then you're going to grad school, and then you're a new grad school student. It takes forever to get all the way up there. But how was that process uh, in the beginning when you had to uh, work your way into the ring? Yeah, so it took me about a year and a half of uh, training, about three to four days a week, um, you know, three to six hours a day before I had my first match. And like you said, you know, you're, you do whatever it takes to, you know, whatever your promotion needs and whatever your school needs, you know, you're putting up the ring, you're doing ring crew, you're doing security, cleaning up after the shows, helping out with the wrestlers, get to and from the show. It's all, you know, it's what we call paying the dues. Like right. The wrestlers before you had to do that and, you know, they recognize hard work and you want them to, you know, vouch for you one day on a show. So you just try to work as hard as you can to try to be able to get to where they are. And then, yeah, some guys do it for a lot shorter. Some guys do it for a lot longer. You know, I know guys that haven't gotten to where they want to be in 10 years or 15 years. So they're right. still, they're still kind of doing the groundwork, which is, you know, to me that it's, it's really hard to hear stuff like that because it happens so fast for me, but it just, I guess doesn't happen for everybody at the same pace. Right. Right. Where are you now? So what what promotions are you working with? Where where are you traveling? What's where are you now? What's uh, your what's your track record been to where you are now? So I am 
exclusive in the United States to New Japan or to Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. And right. I also work for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And my exception is PWG. Got it. So when it comes to getting to Ring of Honor, you said that your ascent was relatively quick. Uh, what was that connection like? Did they scout you or was that someone who vouched for you? Uh, who was able to get you into Ring of Honor? Because that is a massive promotion. Obviously, they're on television. Everyone knows anyone who knows anything about wrestling knows about Ring of Honor. How did you end up getting to where you were now, was it just in ring, or did you have um, did you have help from any outside sources, or what do you, what do you um, attribute your success to there? Uh, so, I mean, I worked my ass off for you know a year and a half trying to get to where I was, and even after that, I was still in the ring every day almost. Right. So I, I feel like you know my my in ring was a little bit more polished than you know a lot of the other guys. Also being Six and a half feet tall, 275 pounds, covered in tattoos. <laughs> it's already like, you know, I'm, I'm a built-in gimmick right there. So right. It was already, you know, I, I look, I stand out from the rest of them. Uh, I also had the opportunity to, aside from being trained from Santino Brothers, uh, I also trained with Rocky Romero. And uh, through him, I got to meet a lot of people, one of those being Marty Skrull. Mm. And Marty kind of like, you know, from a distance just like kept an eye on me like he was watching you know what promotions I was working for and then when I started working for PWG he like he hit me up one day and he's like hey do you want to do this tour of Australia and I was like yeah of course oh like, hell yeah dude. <laughs> for <laughs> sure so he's like yeah I have this idea for uh for a new group called Villain Enterprises and we started it there and we tested it out there and then he's just like you know I guess he also was pitching me to Ring of Honor at the same time. So I think Marty had a a big hand in that, aside from, you know, also training with guys like Rocky and being able to meet a lot of those guys. So when I came into Ring of Honor, I had already known a lot of the people or or met them in some some facet worked with them. And for those that don't know, Villain Enterprises, this is a kick-ass group. It's uh, Marty Skrull, as, as Brody mentioned, Brody, obviously, PCO, and Flip Gordon. When it comes to these groups, I'm interested, how real are these kinds of factions? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, are you guys really close? Do you travel together? You know what I'm saying, Katie? Like, is, like, when I, I remember thinking with DEX, I'm like, do they like each other? What is this? How contrived is this? Obviously, we knew with the click going back old school that they were were actually friends because they broke protocol for the curtain call all these kinds of things but are you guys like what is the how much of it is kayfabe and how much is it like you guys are truly like partners in all this uh i mean i, I can't speak Tell for us everything <laughs> i yes. can't speak for a lot of the other you know groups but we definitely are very close like we travel together we do everything together as far as being on the road like we usually you know get changed in the same locker room we kind of stay close together. Oh my God, do uh, tell. Go into detail on that. <laughs> but uh, no, like, you know, Marty's almost like my wrestle wife, like on the road. Like we, we bicker and argue and, but you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're still, you know, all right, what do you want to get for dinner? Where do you want to go afterwards? Sounds a lot like prison. PCO is <laughs> like our, you know, our wrestling dad and he's a uh, 51 years old if you didn't know that. So we're always <laughs> like, really? where can we go to eat? Well, do they have chicken and broccoli for PCO? Okay, yeah, we can go there. <laughs> Dude, for 51, that man can move. He's, uh, he's He is slick. truly not human. But, yeah, I, I feel like as far as, you know, 
what people's idea of you know a faction is that we kind of adhere to that mold pretty well right right when you first started so you've been to australia you've traveled the world when you first started what was your vision of like all right i'm going to be a wrestler or was this uh i'm going to try this out and see what happens was there an end game i mean with with most things that i i do in my life I, my end game is always just to be the best that i possibly can so sure. like right when i when i started training uh i went to my first pwg show and it was like instantly like okay my goal is to work pwg got it and so then i did that and it was like my goal is to work new japan for wrestling and then i did that and then now i'm signed to ring of honor so everything that i've set so far has happened right right what are some of the main differences that you've seen between a promotion like pwg between roh and between uh and uh, NJPW, uh, uh, what are some of the differences within those promotions? As you go to a different promotion, you're like, okay, this is a bit of a different beast. I'm going to have to adjust some things. Do they try to change your style? Because I know I've heard stories of major promotions like WCW back in the day and WWE now where they're like, no, I'm, that was cute that you did that in New Japan, but here we're just not going to like let you be AJ Styles, for example. Because you go back and you watch old AJ Styles, matches and you're like be cool if you could do that again um but i know vince has a very like rigid idea of what wrestlers should do in the ring have you found that they want to change your performance or have you just found that japanese audiences want one thing uh ring of honor audiences want another thing pwg audiences want a thing how do you deal with the different uh, promotions uh i mean it's it's definitely you know like the last thing you just said um i've been fortunate enough to where ring of honor New Japan and PWG, they're definitely very open with your ideas and they don't really try to stifle your creativity or Mm -hmm. what you already have brought to them. I think someone like WWE, they like to, they like for you to have, you know, comfortability in your character, but they like for it to be there very much their thing. I I feel, um, Unless you, you know, are an AJ Styles and you have this, like, huge name that, like, you can't bring in AJ Styles and then call him something else and pretend like he didn't have this, you know, huge career before. Right, of course, of course. But, yeah, like, PWG, we get told, go have the best match you possibly can. There's not really any rules or, you know, guidelines other than that. It's like, go out there and kill it. Uh, Ring of Honor is a little bit more uh, TV based so it's mm-hmm. like you know if you are the first match on the card maybe you're not going to have the PWG you know balls to the wall match that you because you'd be taken away from the main event uh, but, right. but at the same time they're not going to tell you don't do this or you have to do this like you just kind of know your place on the card so when right. it comes to being TV based, do you have to then work within those parameters or do they like edit that in post? Like when it comes to like commercial breaks, this is a little bit nerdy, but I'm just kind of interested in it. Do you have to be like, okay, bro, we got a commercial break coming up. Let's, you know, give I'm going to give you a bear hug for 90 seconds <laughs> until the commercial break is done and then we can bump out. Or uh, how does that work and how, how do you, uh, I guess compartmentalize like this is for television and we're also in a live match you know that that's got to be kind of tricky to figure out at first anyway yeah uh ring of honor actually doesn't really give us um commercial cues i have worked for promotions that do and it is very much like 
all right, now we got to fuck off for 90 seconds and, like, not do something super important so it doesn't miss TV. Right. But Ring of Honor, yeah, they just they just edit it the way that they need to, but you need to be more aware of working the cameras, working the hard cam, mm-hmm. whereas in PWG, you just don't Good. even think about that. You just go nuts. Uh, yeah, and, and w- with the Ring of Honor crowd, I feel like they are they're very in between independent and like a WWE style yep, crowd. So yep. they, they love to work. They love to, you know, have fun with you. So if you hype them up or if you, you know, be a heel to them, you'll get a lot more response than from like a PWG crowd where they're going to be like, why are you talking to me? Just go fucking do your match. Just go, right. Just go, <laughs> yeah. just go wow me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, working New Japan is, is really interesting because it's still very old school. It's like almost like, 80s style wrestling like mm-hmm. as far as the format but with new style moves and stuff like that yeah like a lot of the stuff that would get over in the states some of the you know faster spots or the the cheeky stuff doesn't right. really work in japan like they like they like their good guy they like their bad guy and they want to see the good guy win that's it and it's kind of it's kind of like refreshing and really fun to be able to work in that style what what was the first hmm. uh because i know jeff we went to wrestle kingdom what was your re- as a performer what's your reaction to the like golf clap the very polite they're very polite the audience in japan is just different than it is yeah. here yeah yeah it, it, it's strange but like it's almost like a challenge like how how hyped up can you get these like very polite quiet japanese people right but then like you know i i fortunately got to have a match with okada uh awesome at the at the yep. sumo hall in mm-hmm. ryogoku and they were absolutely not quiet during that <laughs> match it was like the whole place was shaking just chanting okada and it was unbelievable that's uh, awesome it is funny that they are so um i guess uh reserved considering new japan pro wrestling does get pretty violent i mean they definitely love high spots they do do a lot of like you know crazy ass matches though don't they yeah oh yeah big time i mean some of the you know arguably the best matches in the last 10 years have come from new japan pro wrestling i i believe that new japan is the best wrestling on the planet Right. So there's something almost creepier about them watching someone covered in blood and just being like, yes, that's fine. <laughs> As opposed to like in America, we're like, at least there's blood. Yes. But I think it's scarier that they're just like, hmm, very nice. Yes, yeah, they're I like very this. reserved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So going back to the uh, analogy that the announcer gave uh, on your match versus Masada, which again, check it out, Wrestle Circus. I mean, you know, it's obviously like there's not. There's no, like, um, uh, scanning cameras or anything. It's pretty basic, but I, that's why I kind of loved it. Um, the equivocation between you and, and Bruiser Brody, uh, he went on to say that you're a very opinionated wrestler. You have a lot of thoughts on how the business should go and where the business should be. So maybe you could just sort of extrapolate a little bit on that uh, in your experience so far. What would you like to see the wrestling business become? And why do you want it? Or what are some of the the issues that you see with it right now um, that you think could be fixed when it comes to benefiting professional wrestlers? As uh, I actually do a Bruiser Brody segment in our live show, um, talking about how he was an advocate for wrestlers to be treated more fairly and given more money. And uh, he was actually going to start a wrestling promotion himself. 
But what do you want to see happen with the industry of professional wrestling? And what are your thoughts on where it is now? I mean, wrestling is in a very strange place right now. I mean, it's in like a huge booming period. And I feel like that is almost tearing it in half. Like you have AEW and you have WWE that are now, you know, for lack of a better term, at war with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't we haven't seen it yet, but it starts next week. But there's a huge buzz about it. Oh you yeah, know, I got Katie. They're both. I was texting with Katie last night, and she was like, "Are you watching NXT on USA?" And I was like, "I just lost cable." And then she's like, "Get Sling." I bought Sling, and then 30 seconds later, this is technology <laughs> is amazing. I had every single channel. I cannot wait. For what will it be? Will it be the Tuesday Night Wars? Is that what it's going to be? Wednesday. Wednesday. It'll be the Wednesday Night Wars. Wednesdays are war. I cannot wait uh, for that to happen again because I thought that was the best time in pro wrestling when WCW and uh, WWF at the time were in Monday Night Wars, right? Yeah, because everybody is is trying to up their game to have the best product. And, you know, I think that that's just better for the overall health of all wrestlers. Like, everyone gets more money, everyone gets more work, and. It's, I don't know, it's just a great time. The thing that I don't like that's happening right now is a lot of wrestlers are kind of, it sounds old school, but breaking kayfabe. Like, they love to go by their real name on, you know, Instagram sure. or Twitter. Right, and, right, and they right, love right, to right. talk about the inside workings of the business and have these, you know, backstage, like, segments where, I don't know, it just, it, it it exposes too much. Like mm. I don't mind sitting here and talking about, you know, like putting a match together or like what it was like at certain promotions. But I, th- I feel like there's, you know, a certain mystique and, you know, a thing that a lot of fans romanticize about wrestling that they don't really want to know about. Right. Like, right. Right. And, and I feel like if you give too much away, then it takes away from what we're trying to give to the fans. Right. Yeah. It, it takes away a little of the, the imagination that you would be you would have because you right. already know too much yeah like if if you know that you know x wrestler is also you know the front guy at a gym in this city you're sure. like oh well that oh, sucks that. like yeah or yeah. like yeah, yeah you know yeah. like it, it just like it just takes away from from what i feel like makes wrestling so special right yeah i hear you it's similar to my thoughts on Tom Cruise, where I can't watch a Tom Cruise movie anymore just because I hate him so much as a person, <laughs> and I can't but, change my brain over to be like, no, no, he really is the dude from Mission Impossible. That's him. It's like, no, he's, he's a Scientologist psychopath. My my wife is the same way, yeah. I, <laughs> and I feel like I've become the same way, I mean, about Tom Cruise. I love it. Yeah. There's definitely a line between, this, with social media, it seems like a whole new element to tr- like traditional wrestling. That is kind of been a curveball for a lot of performers. Just like, what are we? What are like? What are we doing? Who are you? Are you gonna? Are you gonna stick with the name? Are you gonna? But then there's also people like Joey Ryan who have this gimmick in the ring that's kind of super sexist and whatever. If he were to do that on social media, everyone would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right, right. But yeah, I feel like he does a good job at like kind of drawing the line of like, well, this is who I am in the ring, but this is who I am for the most part in real life. Yeah. I feel like um, Joey is like I I love Joey. He gets I feel like a lot of the wrestlers that are doing that, like when they're breaking a lot of kayfabe, mm-hmm. are like they feel like they're taking a note from Joey Ryan, but they're not really. Right. Like right. Joey, I feel like still knows the line. Yeah, and some people see what he's doing, and they try to like do what he's doing, but then they take it too far. 
Right. It goes it goes one step past it. Yeah. yeah, you're right. He does have he has a good line of of what to keep kind of in context. Right. So going back, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about your band, God's Hate. I know you're a huge dude uh, into you. You love music and that sort of a massive passion. What's the comparison with being on stage performing uh, with music and being on stage in the ring? Do you get a similar like uh, vibe? Do you get a similar rush? Or what's the difference between those two things? I mean, it, it is. It's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, it's similar on like a smaller independent scale. Like I, I feel like, you know, a very big punk and hardcore show would be more like a PWG show. Right. Like especially when PWG was like in Reseda. Like oh. you know, the fans are on top of each other and everyone's having a good time. There's tons of energy in the sweaty. room. Yeah, it's so yeah. Sweaty. yeah. You just feel disgusting, but like you wouldn't want to be anywhere else have you ever uh, been in so sort of like the mosh pit have you ever been in a situation where a fan was very aggressive and you're like bro i'm gonna knock you out you do understand like you can't just like touch me right yeah i mean yes yes we, <laughs> i have been in that situation as a as a musician and as a wrestler <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but then like you know there's just incomparable things at least for me like i don't know how it feels to play to 20,000 people like I will never know how that feels uh but then you know walking out at MSG like that I'll never have that feeling in music right 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 so it's like there I've been able to experience things uh in wrestling that I I will never experience in music so it's kind of hard to tell the difference yeah what is the because i know for us when we do our live shows with last podcast on the left um you know we started out doing literally a, a theater here in long island city i think it helped 30 people and now we do you know 1800 uh room seaters and it's almost easier to do the larger crowds than the smaller crowds for us we find um just because there's more people there's more energy there's more laughs there's just more engagement what do you think is easier to perform for or what's what do you, what do you like to perform for more a massive crowd or one of those more intimate pwg type crowds because it does change how you perform right yeah i mean like performing at in Reseda for pwg was like Everyone is just so close to you that it's like you kind of feed off that energy. But at the same time, you know, I didn't, I've never understood what some perform, like, you know, like the bigger wrestlers or big musicians when they're like, oh, you know, you just get the energy from the crowd. You don't truly know what that means until you're like, I was standing in the middle of the ring at MSG, 20,000 people around me cheering my name. And you're wow. just like, your whole body just feels like it gets like taken over by electricity and it's right. just like you like, gave me the chills. You feel like you awesome. just turned into the Hulk. It it's yeah. an incomparable feeling. It's and it's unbelievable. It's it's and it's fascinating um from okay, so where so you've done you've done that. What's future plans for you? What do you see? You've you know, I feel like that's a pretty big check yeah. mark on the I list. mean, that's like I don't know. I never thought that I would do that. Yeah. I don't know what's bigger than that. Well, absolutely. Right. And it's funny because you just take these things one step at a time. And that's kind of, you know, the background of the entertainment industry, and which is, of course, what you're in, that no one sees. It's all those, like, little steps, those little connections. And then all of a sudden you're on the main stage, and then people will be like, overnight sensation. And it's like, no, motherfucker. No. Uh, I've been doing this <laughs> shit from the background for many, many years, and that's why I got to this stage. I'll never forget when Bernie Mac got his TV show. And all these articles, overnight sensation. I'm like, that 
motherfucker was headlining for 20 years, okay? Yeah. There's no such thing in the entertainment industry, or very rare do you get to be an overnight sensation in real life. And usually, those people end up flaming out because they're not ready uh, to be on that kind of platform. So what is like, the, if you, not, 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 we don't have to go like into the, into the way, way future, but obviously you're with ROH now. What do you want to see? How do you want to see uh, Villain Enterprises? How do you want to see your story unfold within that company in the relatively near future? What story do you want to tell? I would like to see, you know, Ring of Honor go back to being the best wrestling on the planet, having, mm-hmm. You know the next crop of guys that are go- are going to be superstars. You know the Ring of Honor has this lineage of guys like Kevin Steen, El Generico, Samoa Joe, like mm-hmm. right AJ, AJ Styles. Like it's every name that you could think of has gone through Ring of Honor, right. and like that's a huge prestige that I feel like we need to keep up with, and especially with so much more uh, competition now, we have to be on the forefront of these young guys like. Jake Atlas and these young guys like Alex Zane and like you know the guys that are just starting to like scratch the surface we need to take those guys and really turn them into the superstar of tomorrow right and then how do you is it possible how would Ring of Honor because it seems to me like a lot of these promotions like uh, ROH they do great they build up all these names like Samoa like AJ and then WWE comes and it's just like, here you go. We're going to buy you. And then uh, I'm, I'm not judging the talent whatsoever. You got to get that money, man. Life is extremely difficult. And when opportunity comes calling, you got to answer. But how do you maintain? How do you hold on to, uh, you know, the talent, the roster uh, that would make Ring of Honor great, that makes Ring of Honor great? Is that even possible to do? Or do they just keep on cultivating new talent? Yeah. I mean, they've just, they've always just cultivated new talent. Like, Right now, we have guys like the Briscoes, and we have yep. Marty Skrull. And like, I feel like Marty Skrull is, bar none, one of the best wrestlers on the planet right now. Uh, as far as an entertainer and an mm-hmm. in-ring worker, I don't think he can be touched. The Briscoes, I think, will one day go down as the greatest tag team of all time. Wow. Like, they, it, they just have something that, you know, you can't teach, mm-hmm. and... It's it's hard to even explain unless you've seen them live. Like they just have this this thing that gets this guttural reaction from people that is unbelievable. Right. But yeah, it, I, I feel like you know bringing in guys like you know Flip Gordon and guys like myself, and we want to make Ring of Honor better, and we want to make it what we you know loved as a kid. We, right. We want we want to be the next Samoa Joe or the next AJ Styles. I feel like if you don't want that, then you shouldn't be there. Right. Like, you, you should want to be in Ring of Honor because of the lineage that Ring of Honor has. Right. 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 The legacy. Yeah. I feel like there's so much talent right now. And so much. So much talent. So much solid talent of the indie guys that are at the top of their game that have kind of spread out mm-hmm. across all promotions. Now, what is this? what does the next class look like coming up through the indies? I mean, that, like, just when you think that you have seen it all, like, mm-hmm. I've watched Will Ospreay do things that oh, I yeah. didn't know were just, humanly possible. Just, you know, like I just mentioned him, that, that kid, Alex Zane, he did a dive to the outside. It was a 630 dive. Oh, my God. Like, when I first saw a 630, it was, like, off the top rope, and it was, like, 
how did that guy just it was ricochet yeah i was like how the fuck did he just do that he just spun like three different times and this kid's doing it as a dive outside of the ring oh my god and i think he can do it standing good and it's it's like unbelievable that's not human (laughs) how do you do that no, I remember when the moonsault was about as big as you could get. Yeah. That was like growing up, it was like, oh my God, they just did a moonsault. Match is over. That is it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's as much as we're going to get. Yeah, and now you're like, oh, that's like in the opening spot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that fans are being treated to some of the best wrestling that I have certainly ever seen in my entire life. When it comes to these high flyers, when it comes to the people being able to do all of these flips, um, is there anything that you would like to see? When it comes to like story based, because I know, uh, you know, in ring that matters immensely. You could almost argue it's more important. But then again, you also have a situation where mic skills are totally valuable. And if oh, you look at someone 100%. like a you know old school Stone Cold when he was injured, rolled over to ECW without that experience, without that what I think it was like a year and a half or something, where Paul Heyman basically was just like learn how to be the best on the mic you can possibly be and without that i don't think stone cold exists uh despite the fact that vince made him a mute uh who with with the million dollar man as his manager for the first like two years uh for some reason but can you explain a little bit on that performance what what's it like to improve on the mic and what is uh, how how key is that to your wrestling persona and to the industry as a whole It, it all depends really like right now in my position like i don't have to talk on the mic like i also have like kind of a very you know dominating presence with just standing there it's like right you know what i don't want to compare myself to the undertaker but he had that vibe where all he ever said was rest in peace yeah that's it but like you know marty is so good on the mic that he kind of like takes the mic skill and i'm more like his enforcer right but i do think that the the mic skills is i don't want to say it's being lost but i feel like it's Mm. not being um put on the forefront that it should Mm -hmm. uh and i think the best example of that is mjf maxwell jacob friedman Mm -hmm. he just Mm -hmm. or he's on aew yep he is such a piece of shit yep that like (laughs) it doesn't you don't ever have to see one of his matches and you're entertained by what he's doing yes like everything he says is going to get a reaction out of somebody and that's what you want in wrestling like if he can go in there and cut a 10 minute promo and then have a five minute match like He's one saving his body, yeah. and two yeah. like that's career longevity because he's going to be able to talk way longer than he can wrestle. Absolutely, he is a piece of shit. And oh, it's great! He is it's so great. We're um, speaking incredible. in kayfabe, by the way. As a of person, course. I'm sure he's wonderful, but yes, his character <laughs> is. A total- I happen to I happen to know Max personally, and he's also a piece of shit. <laughs> no, I'm, ju- I'm just kidding. <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, he is classic, man. He's old school Rick Rude. You're all fat. I'd love oh, that he, stuff he, so he much. He wants. He is like Roddy Piper when he passed away. Some part of him entered MJF's body, and that is like he is just going to be the best heel of our generation, I feel like. And you talk about using social media in kayfabe. Like, no, I mean, he's just, he's priceless. Like, they're like, even at, or meet and greets, like, he just lives it, and it's so great. I texted him the other day, and I said, You're not going to be happy until a fan stabs you, huh? I can't wait for the day. <laughs> when you can have no, your Steffi no. Graf moment. Yeah. And I said, well, I hope that it's like in the lower leg, and like not sure. somewhere fatal, but yeah. like you have a scar to remember it by. That's so uh, funny. It's, it's so great. 
I mean, I do you it. think, can you ever go too far? I was watching this interview with Jericho the other day, and he was talking about how D-Generation X gave all of these, or Vince obviously did, but DX wanted to give all of these glow sticks to, um, to all the fans. So they did, right? And Jericho is in the ring, and he pisses off the fans. So naturally, a fan throws a glow stick at his face, <laughs> and then he's like, Come on, let me have it all. So every single glow stick was in the ring. And uh, and he comes backstage and Sean was like, what the fuck, dude? We're never going to be able to do that again because you got every single – the whole thing was that we promised the Vince that the fans weren't going to throw the glow sticks and you had him throw every glow stick at you. Um, and so he was supposed to – he got yelled at by everyone. And then, of course, inevitably he texts Vince and he's like, I just did the best job of all time. I'm the greatest heel ever. And Vince is like – yeah, there's no problem. We're all good, dude. You did your job. But is it possible for someone to go too far? Have you ever seen that happen where then they're like, yeah, you're supposed to be a heel, dude, but you just started a riot? Yeah. I mean, th- that that definitely happens. And I feel like within the parameter of whatever you're working with that it's acceptable or not. Like, I've seen, you know, chairs being thrown or, like, fans trying to fight the wrestlers. Like, the locker room's emptying out because, <laughs> you know, someone is fighting a wrestler. It's just... Uh, sometimes it does get a little bit too far and people, you know, take it a little bit too seriously. But at the end of the day, I feel like you're doing your job. Like, yeah, if you've pissed this person off enough to where when they entered the building, they thought it was fake to where now they're trying to kill you. Like you did your job. (laughs) I mean, that is, that is perspective. Honestly, that's why pro wrestling (laughs) is just like so fun. And it's. As a comedian, we have to have the audience really like us at the end, but it would be really cool if we just got booed off stage. Yeah. Um, that would also be, like, super empowering. If that's what we were supposed to do, I would be like, job well done, guys. Great. Nailed, <laughs> nailed it. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Brody. This has been such a badass conversation. Really appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, anytime. Um, so any matches coming up anywhere? What? Tell people where to find you right now. Uh, tomorrow I have a match in Las Vegas with Jeff Cobb. Uh, then on Saturday, it is me and PCO versus Roosh and Dragon Lee. Awesome. Hopefully, I will be going out of the country again uh, in November, so that will be exciting. I just can't announce anything about that yet. Very cool. And, of course, people can catch you on Ring of Honor still, right, currently? Yep, Ring of Honor. Yep. And uh, I think I'm on every show for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah. Villain, Villain Enterprises is always going to be number one. Um, you can get me on Twitter or Instagram at Brody X King. And uh, yeah. Awesome, it. brother. Well, thank you so much, man. Brody King, everyone. All right. There it was. Our interview with Brody King. Katie, He, I loved him. He is amazing. He's still technically listening to this, so we can't say anything too bad. He's sitting right here. I, he's <laughs> fantastic. I love it. I love yes. everything. Check out Brody King on Ring of Honor. He's a big beastie man. He's covered in tattoos. He's everything I wanted to be. But you know what? Uh, I never broke my leg. So I'm, I'm doing okay because I can't deal with pain. <laughs> I also like to drink too much. Um, all right. Well, let's do our match from the past. This week's match from the past, this is a extremely fun match from 2005. It's ECW's One Night Stand. It's with Little Guido versus Super Crazy versus Yoshira Tajiri. And did you get a chance to watch this match, Katie? I did. And I, I'm, I just 
pray for health insurance and I don't even <laughs> believe in God. I just, my heart, I feel like yes. I'm too much of a, I get very concerned about performers' well-being when they do things like that's being done in this match. Yes, especially super crazy. It's not just a clever name. He is super crazy, and it is, like, <laughs> unbelievable, this match. And I agree. Every wrestler deserves health care. And as soon as Brody King is at the top of the food chain, I think they're going to get it. Um, all right, everyone, enjoy this match. Where the hell is he going? He's ascending to the balcony, I believe. I have never been on hand live for an ECW balcony for dives. Oh, could be no! match from the past katie it is so good to be back with you and i'm so i'm just so happy we're uh back to doing the show regularly yeah we're back in it we're back we're, we're doing it we're doing things we're doing things um all right everyone thank you all so much for listening never forget hail yourselves and katie catchphrase you had three weeks catchphrase don't hurt yourself don't hurt yourself that's this week's catchphrase from katie dirks all right everyone <laughs> thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you soon this show is made possible by listeners like you thanks to our ad sponsors you can support our shows by supporting them for more shows like the one you just listened to go to lastpodcastnetwork.com yeah!